United Bias back for another episode. Uh, this time in person, all the boys together. Ruben, Slide, guys, good to be back. Good to be together. Yeah, nice to uh, be sat in a, a little bar as well and to celebrate a few nice hauls of goals this weekend. Yeah, no, it was a massive weekend. Um, I think uh, in terms of goals, it was a goal fest when you look at the games that were played. Um, but I think, yeah. When you look at the United game, yeah, when we talk about it later, not so much. Yeah, the, the, wrong, the wrong game didn't get a goal from at least one of the teams. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into it. There's a lot to talk about. Let's start at the top, I guess, match of the weekend, the highly, most highly anticipated match. Tottenham Hotspur visited the Etihad Arena to take on the, I guess, Pep's all-conquering Manchester City side. And heading into the game, both teams in a weird, bit of a weird space, uh, Ruben. City, in fact, coming off three draws. And in fact, going back before that, had only won three out of eight Premier League games. Tottenham coming off three losses after their tremendous start. And so we are poised for an interesting encounter, shall we say. Yeah, that, as you rightly point out, I mean, both of them uh, have, have not had the form that they had earlier in the season. I mean, uh, I think for Spurs, it's easy to point to a lot of the injuries that they've had that is, has sort of uh, derailed them, I guess you could say. Maybe not in performances, but yes, in results, they, they've not been doing so great. Um, whereas Man City, I mean, yes, they've had a pretty tough run. I mean, those three draws in a row have come against, uh, you know, Chelsea, um, Chelsea, Spurs and, and Liverpool. So, you know, you might forgive it to some extent, but there's also a couple of losses sat in there, lost to Wolves. You know, so I, I don't even know where the, the magic has, has gone. I mean, I suppose we've, uh, you know, we've identified before that we think it's Gundogan and, you know, and the very obvious missing of Kevin De Bruyne that's, that's made their season not look so great. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think that's kind of what things look like coming in. I think we always knew Andrew was going to give it stick, though, right? I mean, he's... He's put nailed his colours to the mast there. Well, you say that, but I think a lot of people thought that this time around, he'd draw the line at Man City. Yeah. He'd, he'd sort of sit back. This is the time where you batten down the hatches, go, go to the old uh, parking the bus playbook that you know, Mourinho's and Conte's and uh, even uh, 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 you know, many other <laughs> defensive managers before have sort of really uh, stuck to. But he didn't do that, did he, Slide? Because Man City came out like a... Like a Bad out of hell in that first half. It, it was just all hands on deck, so to speak. Yeah, look, and I think um, probably when you look at the first half, the amount of chances that City created and shots on goal that they had, you were thinking, oh my goodness, this game is just headed for, it's going to be a bloodbath, you know, for City. And, and you know, yes, the, the, the couple of shots from the post, Haaland missing, you know, two sitters, which is... Very uncharacteristic of, of Haaland, but uh, you're thinking, okay, maybe, you know what, as the game progresses, this is actually going to become more and more of a bloodbath. So you look at it and you're thinking, okay, how on earth did City, and I'm going to say this, drop two points? Because when you look at that game for the first 30, 45 minutes, you're thinking, oh my goodness, this game is actually very, very much dominated by Man City. Although, that being said, uh, Ruben, for all of City's early dominance, including the first few minutes, Spurs were off to an early lead by a, you know, a characteristic uh, Sun goal on, on, in the transition. I mean, the guy is just phenomenal. He, he may very well be the best player in the world in transition. 
Yeah, I mean, he's... I mean, he's been doing it now for a few seasons. I think last season he had a very uh, off-for-his-own-high-standards season, but somehow uh, not having Harry Kane around has, has kind of freed him up a little bit more, I think, to just kind of play maybe more of his own natural game. He doesn't even feel like he, he perhaps needs to, to look for Kane. He just, you know, he can just go out and, and do his own thing. And, I mean, that system seems to, to suit Ange. We, we know that he, he kind of does like to, to have and, and bring those wider players into the game, you know. So Although Son is playing now, I guess, for, for the last while as, as the number nine. Yeah, he's playing as your most advanced True man. with Richarlison, not, not around. But he came in from the left a lot, at least from what I was saw of the game. Yeah, I guess in the second half when things started changing. So, Son gets Spurs off to an early start uh, slide. Yeah. But, but thereafter, it was just... A barrage at the Man City, at the Tottenham goal by Man City. Yeah, I mean, Man City just started going at it. Eh? Um, I think it was after that song goal. Can, can I, we? Just, I mean, it's a funny thing to think about. Sorry to catch you offside, but I mean, I wonder how often a player scores a goal and an own goal in a game. That's rare enough. Within what, like 120 seconds of each other? I mean, that's yeah, got to be some kind yeah, of record. Yeah, no, that, that, that was a weird one. And unfortunately, you know, when you look at the sort of replays, you start. Looking at about okay, cool. Maybe the sit, the Spurs guys should have actually set up slightly deeper in order for them to attack the ball rather than actually follow it based on the depth that the cross was sort of made. Because any one of those Spurs people in the defensive line could have tapped that ball in because it wasn't very clear as to you know who's going to hit it. Because if you look at it, it looked like Basuma was going to actually get that ball. And then it just nudged um, Son, Son, Son on, on, on the thigh. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. It was, it was a delicious ball in by I think Alvarez. Yeah, and and as you say, it looked as though uh, one or two of the Spurs. It, it might have even it could have been Basuma and someone else that, that may have got it. And so Son was really unsighted. And next thing you know, the ball just yeah, lands just on him. And it, I, I think he, he, he was probably the fourth guy yeah. in that line of Spurs defenders. Yeah. You know, you as, as, as the ball's coming in. So you're not, you're not you're not even expecting it to get that far because yeah. you're expecting yeah. you know at least the first two to make make a play and, and get rid of the ball. Yeah, you don't see it, nor do you. Uh, well, such a it. such a delicious ball, such a delicious ball. So one one, um, one one as it were, very quickly, and Tottenham under world of pressure and next thing you know uh, is the full Foden goal yeah yes. that, that absolute yeah it's just yeah, worldy again yeah. terrific terrific mm. that is testament of you know how playing you know so close to the passes your typical tiki-taka sort of football and you know you get the goal as much as you can say I don't know who the defender was in that last sort of line but you could maybe accuse him of falling asleep, but in as much as you know, it was actually a brilliant play, build up, good team goal. It's something that you would expect from a Man City game, but you know, a lot more closer marking would have probably averted that goal. But look, it was done. Yeah. So I mean, it's two one, two one to Man City. They're ahead. They're flying, and I mean, at that point, very much Ange actually is sitting back. He is getting the team to sit back. Even though it's a team full of fullbacks, <laughs> no central defenders, they are sitting deep. They're sitting with a low block and they're trying to play. They were trying to play in transition in that first half. I remember texting you and saying, if something doesn't change here, it's going to be absolute murder. Because it, it really looked like, as you say, Haaland missed two relative sitters amongst many other opportunities. The second half comes around, and this is where it gets interesting. And this is where I, 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 I think Ange deserves 
uh, all the praise in the world. He recognizes the fact that they're being overrun in midfield. The ball's been given away too easily. They need to get a bit more control. He whoops off um, Brian Hill and brings on uh, Hoiberg. Mm. A bit of solidity, a classic defensive midfielder. Not very good at passing, but can work rate, wins you the ball, does the simple passes. And, and that seemed to change the game on its, on its head. Very much the second half, and that's what I think you were alluding to, Ruben, where Ange did suddenly yeah. they changed the system a little bit. Mm. But now they started playing Ange ball. All of a sudden, Spurs come out playing football, retaining the ball, and Man City are sort of dropping deeper and deeper, and yep. Spurs started looking interesting. Yeah, I was surprised they almost seemed to invite it. City for like a, a while and, mm. and then for a lot of that that second half they almost seemed I don't know how can I say surprisingly okay to let Spurs play Spurs game you know which you know I mean that City don't do that they no. don't let you play your game uh, you know so I did find that you know I mean especially at the Etihad kind of surprising in a way you could say that and another way to look at it is that Spurs impose their will yeah they impose their game plan away at the Etihad and how many teams can you say over the years, go there and actually just try to really try to give them a game. To so, be, yeah, to be honest, they used one in Tottenham, and, and they've done it. Yeah. Um, the proof is in the pudding. They got the point. Um, and I think that Hoiberg substitution was a masterstroke because it gives you that tenacity, that energy, that you know he he will destruct play. He will irritate Rodri. He will irritate. You know, um, Alvarez, he, he irritated all the players that were actually causing problems in that first half to the, to the level where they thought, you know what, maybe let's, let's actually take a seat, seat back and, you know, bring it to, let them bring the game to us and then we will actually go for it. And that's essentially how it became 2 2. Yeah. But, but I mean, what's, yeah, kind of incredible is that, and I mean, maybe I'm skipping ahead a bit here because you've sort of been telling the story of the goals. I saw some stats, something like no team has taken more points off of Pep since he's been at City than Spurs. Yes. Something like 21 points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and no one else has been, been and, even And close. it doesn't matter. Manager doesn't yeah. matter. Manager doesn't St- matter. Style, style of yeah. play doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, to be fair, yeah. the, 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 you know, in the, the beginning, Pochettino would take it to, to City. Mm. So, you know, a different style of play, a different system, but Poch would take it to them. Yep. And then you went with, you know, uh, Conte, Con- well, Jose, um, then and, and Nuno, then uh, Kante, and all of them will kind of sit back, park the bus, transition, and, and it worked. Yeah. And now you've got, you went to Ange, which is the extreme end of ball playing, dominant yeah. football, and, 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 and okay, had in one year, but really, really could have. So, as you say, the second goal comes with Lo Celso with a beautiful finish from outside. Beautiful goal. Outside the, outside, yeah. uh, outside the 18 yard area. And the thing that stands out again, I think we touched on the last part. Lo Celso is historically basically a number 10. Mm. That's where he's thrived in the most of his career. He's sitting as playing as one of the two sitters in this game. As one of the two sixes, one of the two holding sixes. Because again, Spurs are just threadbare at the moment. And yet but, he but he just, I mean, as we've identified before, Andrew doesn't even really have the kind of people who want to be the sitters in his system, right? So it's, and he's yet using kind of everyone and doing it successfully. Yeah. Yeah, although, I mean, you, you could say that before the season, but I think I guess the way it's turned out with, uh, with Basuma and, yeah. and, and Saar in particular, and Saar who, yeah, yeah, no, he discovered well, these yeah. gems, and, mm. you know, even Benton Cole looked good. He just came back from injury, looked good against Villa before getting injured again. Yeah. But, you know, none of Saar and 
Saw and Bentancourt were not available. And, and, and then it's 2-2. All of a sudden, um, it's a bit of back and forth. Both teams are going at it. It was a tremendous game to yeah. watch. Really free-flowing. Free and unfortunately... Come on, skip. Skip? Yeah. No, skip goes on. Yes. Because he's also now one of those sort of players. And then... Yeah, well, I, I guess they're running on, you're running on fumes, right? Mm, and like, mm. Skip's not exactly... You know, a world beater. Skip comes on. But the, the key moment, the profitable moment was that Basuma gives the ball away uh, cheaply, unfortunately. And um, Holland plays it across to Basuma. Basuma taps it in. Uh, sorry, uh, Grealish taps it in. 3-1, uh, 3-2 City. And all of a sudden you think, okay. Grealish has won it. Grealish has won it. He celebrated like he yeah. won it. Yeah. Um, and, and all of a sudden it looks like, okay, well, Spurs had a good fight. And the boys tried but they've come undone at City like like just about everyone does yeah I guess. look so I think there was a bit more emotion from Grealish because he, he was on a serious goal goal drop so he hadn't scored in freaking 27 games I, I think it was um, the last time he scored was in April so he was on a bit of a goal drop so there was a bit of emotion in terms of um, you know him, him having scored a goal that, that would actually, you know, give them the win. Okay, I guess we can't, we can't, can't blame him too much there. But, but that <laughs> wasn't the end of the story, was it, Ruben? Of course not. Well, we, a, as we know, nine times already in Ange's, I don't know, what, 15 games in charge, if, if that, they've already been goals in the, I think, 90th minute or whatever, 90 plus minutes, or whatever the exact stat is. But some obscene number of, of you know, whether it's Tottenham conceding them or scoring them, you know there's going to be a goal, a dramatic goal. And, and of course, it came around. Uh, I mean, really, Kulisevsky just not getting picked up. Um, I think it was Ake just kind of dropped him uh, and, and really just let him have a free header uh, in, in the box of, of a cross um, from, uh, I forget who. It was an outstanding, yeah. I think it, was, it was, might have been Poro. Poro. Might, it might have been Poro. But it was an outstanding, it was an outstanding leap. I think you're downplaying yeah. that error. If you look at those images of it happening, it's, it's sort of... But Ake didn't even challenge him at all. I don't it's think like he really saw it. Yeah, because he came really, really late. But Ake I mean, didn't, see him. Yeah. Didn't, see didn't see him. Yeah. He didn't see him. He didn't see him. He just kept flying into the picture. It was, yeah. it was <laughs> crazy. He didn't expect him to actually make that run. Because yeah. Yeah, it was one of those where, yes, it was a mistake, but a good mistake to, to sort of make. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I, I, that was... I, I'm pretty sure when City replay this thing and they look at it, they're going to say, OK, you were not watching the man that's coming behind and all that stuff but be that as may 3-3 game on one point for Spurs well done but I think um, there's a talking point though I mean even after that goal um, I mean the, the, when Grealish was so uh, um, Haaland gets fouled but, but puts Grealish through with a really really good ball he's through one on one past the defender and the advantage doesn't get called. Uh, I mean, what 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 kind of call was it? Who knows? I, like the thing is, only the referee would have the answer as to what he was yeah. thinking or what he saw, and it's kind of hard. Like I can also see maybe he didn't think Grealish was the right clean through. You know, because the Spurs players kind of stopped, but you, you don't know how it is going to unfold. Whether Poro catches him, because Grealish isn't a speed merchant either. Yeah. So like I can understand from a City point of view why you'd be angry or upset. But if he plays the advantage and he gets I've, taken out, then it's a red. You know. I've, 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 I've watched I've watched this replay probably like ten times. Referee signals play on. Yeah. Okay. And then puts the whistle in his mouth. He doesn't blow it. He doesn't. Yeah. 
And then yeah, he blew it late. Yeah, it wasn't like all, all of a sudden. Glues got the ball at his feet, and then he blows the whistle. Mm. I, I, You're thinking, okay, what on earth is going on here? I, I think he was confused as to who had the ball. I think he, he, maybe initially he thought it was going to go through. Then he looked and he saw, sees a bunch of Spurs defenders ar- around the ball and can't make out, and maybe thinks Grealish doesn't have it. I don't know. But it's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's funny that uh, you know City fans moaning about justice. Uh, How's that Viking reaction? I've never seen him that. I mean, he's normally got that kind of Iceman feel to him, and maybe it's good. But I have. He went ballistic. Like, I mean, it's quite entertaining to see. I mean, the guy, guy that size actually finally, you know, finally bringing out the true, you know, Viking berserker side of him. <laughs> I, I think it was because he was angry at himself. I, I think it's because he knows he cost City the game with his terrible mm. finishing. Two goals. Match. Yeah. Because yeah. I was about to, th- I was, I was about to say, like, yeah. was he? Was do you think he was so emotional about? probably missing on another assist or what because freaking out like that that reaction was was <laughs> he, was he hasn't cringe. scored a lot lately if i have to think about it you know i mean relative to his own yeah. riches he's, he's, been, he's been found wanting against the so-called top teams mm. it reminds me of lukaku and and how you know he would be scoring a lot of goals uh, against the minnows but then when it comes to the big teams he's yeah, he's nowhere so to be Lukaku, found. Lukaku and uh, Lukaku Arland, and the same WhatsApp same group. Same what? Yeah, I mean, last week we had Do- <laughs> Doku and Messi in the same WhatsApp group. <laughs> All right, boys. Uh, I think uh, that's enough, uh, City and uh, Spurs. I-, I will say again, like, just hell of a job by Tottenham, uh, all things considered, and with all those injuries, uh, hell of a performance. And yeah, I, I'm a fan of Ange. I'm telling you that. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of this crazy, berserk football that the man plays, and uh, you know, can't wait to see more. On to the next game, uh, I think, Slide. Uh, Chelsea and Brighton, is it? Yeah, Chelsea Brighton. Um, <laughs> yeah, let, let, I don't know. That, 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 that game, it seemed to have been marred by a lot of incidents, as much as you know, Chelsea did come up victors very clearly. Um, but yeah, I don't know, Ruben. You caught that game. I don't know what what did you what did you think of it? I mean, I and, and Kieran, I, I know we debated a little bit earlier today. I mean, I, I frankly thought uh, Brighton looked rubbish the first half. You know, they, you know, as, as much as the goals they conceded, uh, you know, early on were were you know poorly defended sort of set pieces. Um, you know, I, I still thought they were letting uh, Chelsea absolutely stroll through them. Uh, you know, absolutely then diabolical defending, free headers in the box, almost no attempt to challenge. Um, you know, I, I just don't know what what they were doing. They they just looked very very off it. Um, you know, then of course you, you get the uh, you get the red card, uh, or I think it's a goal and a red card in very quick succession, and it felt like okay, the game's turning here. You know, it, it's it's on its head. And yes, I mean, I think we can debate the red card of, of Gallagher's. I, I do think it was the correct one. There's maybe a later incident with Caicedo that that didn't go their way and also should have gone their way. But uh, but yeah, look when. From then, from that that second half, it was you know really Brighton. Uh, you kind of expected them to get a result. Um, that that is where I thought that was going. And then of course, you know I, I don't know. Deserbi suddenly pulls I think four subs at the same time. And I mean yes, I know you want to bring on Matoma. He's been injured, but you want to bring on your big guns. Same with Jao Pedro. Also brings on Milner. I forget the fourth sub. And literally a minute or two later, Milner you know looking a little gives off the pace. Yeah, gives away a pen. Yeah. You know, so I, I think he kind of had the game there on a platter and, and for once I think didn't take the best option and then suddenly once they were 3-1 down okay oh, yeah 3-1 
down, okay, sure. Uh, you know, they, yes, they had a lot of shots on target. I think Chelsea were happy to let them have them. You know, I, I think you, I think you, you're glossing over a lot here. So, so I mean, of course, to begin with, as you say, the, the opening goal is just terrible, terrible um, set piece defending. Ball comes into the box. The littlest man on the field. I, I don't know if he technically is, but he probably is. And Enzo Fernandez gets a free just header uh, to put put Chelsea one up. And then you know a few minutes later, almost identical. Yeah. Colwell, again, Colwell ball into the box header. So two 0 down. So while Brighton weren't particularly great in the half, they probably didn't deserve to be two 0 down at that point, which which is you know. I think something that's maybe a little a little missed out of this whole thing. And then they do come back with a wonderful goal by uh, Bernanotte where he cuts yeah. in and he yeah. calls it around the keeper, which and I thought another, was... Another brilliant goal, that one. Yeah, beautiful. His left footers have been scoring these nice goals. Eh? I thought it was a be- beautiful finish. And then, as you say, it's, it's got the red card. And then you think, okay, it's the 2-1 down, 10 men, the whole second half to go. The cavalry will come on, the Bitomas, the uh, Jean-Pedros, and you think something's going to change. And Brighton start looking brighter in the second half, and I guess the turning point is just before the before the the, the second the, the third Chelsea goal rather. Caicedo's on a yellow. I can't remember who it is, which Brighton player he fouls, but he clatters into the back. He goes through the back of one of the Brighton players, misses the ball completely. It's an obvious yellow card. It's a it's a terrible tackle. It's a yellow card. The referee doesn't give the yellow card again. And particularly because the Gallagher one was not actually. I mean, like yes, it was probably a yellow on balance, but relatively, you know, innocuous by comparison. I think. Yeah. yeah. Look, it's, it's it's so the Gallagher second challenge. Yeah. Definitely yellow. Yeah. Right. So it, it, you, we now have to debate the first yellow mm. in this in in, in, yeah. in, in, in in that particular instance. But then, based on what Kiran's saying. That's that second challenge by Caicedo on, on, on the Brighton player. You feel like it should have been a you know a red card there against against Chelsea. So they would have been down to nine men. It yeah, should have yeah. changed the entire dynamic of the game. And in fact, the, the, some of the Brighton guys were losing their minds like, because how is this he not being sent off? And then the Brighton one of the Brighton players got cautioned for <laughs> for, yeah. for descent, mm-hmm. and it was wild. And I was there sitting watching, and I couldn't believe that he wasn't sent off. And of course, Murphy's law. Moments later, um, they concede. Yeah, Chelsea yeah, go and score a goal. Yeah. And again, I, I, what did you think about the penalty shot? I didn't really think it was a penalty. I thought it was a coming together. But you know, I, there was I, no I, commentators love that that phrase coming together. But then he also, I mean, there was such a nice uh, way that he captured it. He said, he, Milner has put his planted his leg to get more upper body push against the player." And I mean, like, you can't just have a free pa- free pass to me to plant your, you know, plant your legs. He, he, he does take out the, the the Chelsea players' legs. To be honest, I I, I think it's a there's there's you know tussling with your upper body and then there's cutting across the player when you and ma- making no honest attempt to play the ball. I think that would be my big thing. He just he knew he couldn't get there. He knew he couldn't get to the ball and decided I'm gonna take the player out. That's I don't know. So, so to me, it's, 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 you have to look at it this way. Okay, cool. Was he behind the player or not? Yes. I don't know. I, to if, me, they were next to each other. If, if, if he was behind the player, at the time of touching the player, he's, the, the pen's going to be given. Like, and, 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 and that's it. It starts upper body to upper body fine, but then he does which is, step which is across. Fine. Yeah, no, no. The minute, the minute there's leg involved, yeah. 
it becomes very contentious. Yeah, but I, see, I, I, I disagree with your assessment that there was leg involved. To me, he was go- going down long before that. He was going down as they, as they made contact. As they made contact, sort of shoulder to shoulder, coming together, he starts going down. Um, and so, I disagree. Anyway, so let me guess. Those it, things. So let me guess. It went to the on-field ref and he had to go look at the screen. Yeah, and, and, and again, he's got no. The refs have no spine. Uh, you know, what, yeah, I, I don't know if it would have. Yeah, maybe it doesn't. Again, we talk about our clear and obvious. You know, it's at least debatable, and as soon as it's debatable, the fact that it got overturned is makes it a bit more. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. a bit harsher. Put anyway, it that way. Either, either way, so they're three, they're three one down, down, and I guess that's why I think Brighton. You can be really unlucky, and also what's played against Brighton here, and I think it speaks to what you're talking about. Brighton are a team that thrives in transition. They invite the pressure onto themselves and they want to play it out through you. They want to play through your press. Yeah. Now, Chelsea are down to 10 men, are sitting deep, and Brighton are struggling to break down their low block. Yeah. I mean, they literally got four centre-backs on the pitch. And so that also plays into the difficulty that Brighton are experiencing, breaking down that low block. So in a way, it's one of those, I think we had this instance with Newcastle and Liverpool, similar sort of thing happened. Liverpool sat low block, Playing, you know, playing in Newcastle well, was sucked in and then in transition, Liverpool punishing Newcastle. Yeah. So almost, yeah, the, the team with 10 men almost, it almost benefited them mm. to get a man yeah, sent yeah, off because it changed them yeah. the way they played. And, and, a, and a deserving team really, I guess that's one of the criticisms is when a team does sit with a low block, how do you react? And, and I don't think they quite have, maybe have the answers given that they missing, were missing quite a few injured players as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair but but yeah, Joao Pedro comes in with a with a late header, three two. Yeah, and ten. Tw- in fact, in reality, I think it ended up being fourteen minutes of extra time, time or something like that. Yeah, yeah. and, and, oh, and again, mean, yeah, nearly handball shout. Yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot, but you know, it wasn't as entertaining as I think we we, we thought because I think at the beginning of the weekend I said, oh, this is this is one one of them that we really need to see. And, yeah, um, but you know, three points again to Chelsea. Um, yeah, and yeah, I suppose they're slowly, slowly creeping their way back into maybe the top half of the table. Maybe the top of the table, yep. Time, time will tell. Um, look, I think uh, that's enough of the games of the weekend. Uh, I know, uh, just top line, Liverpool... Yeah, Liverpool quickly beat uh, Fulham. Yeah, Fulham. Uh, yeah. yeah. A, a, a f- phenomenal game. Um, I actually feel, in a weird way, like uh, Fulham had Liverpool's number despite that weird scoreline. They had their number for a large portion of the game. I mean, slide. I can see you're nodding. Really, they kept them at arm's length, and somehow Liverpool ripped off four absolute rattling the top corner of the goal. Absolutely nothing Leno could do about a single one of those. Um, and, and I think really unlucky having pulled ahead quite late to go 3-2 um, and, and uh, you, you know I, th- I think we had Iwobi looking really good uh, you know pre-season Pelo, Andrea Pereira Andreas Pereira having a really good game um, and then just the, the trend factor they just just couldn't overcome it. Yeah I mean it's, it's unfortunate that that first trend, trend goal got given as an own goal to Leno um, yeah. but yeah it, it was it was Four brilliant goals. Yeah. Four brilliant goals and... Um, With probably a cumulative XG of like 0.2 or something. Of course, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so um, hats off to, to Fulham for taking it to Chelsea at Anfield. I mean, yeah. to, to Liverpool at Anfield. And um, it's, it's one of those where you want to see a lot more of it. Because, you know, Anfield is a fortress. And, and it's, it's, it's always very difficult to go and play there. So mm. y- you're wanting to see 
that kind of you know pressure heart you know giving it the giving it your all as, as, as a team as a collective pretty much like what Spurs did to, to City yeah, um, yeah. At, at, at the Etihad but the Etihad is always and, empty and you wouldn't have called it a smash and grab either right if they'd no, gone 3-2 no, no, no. up and one from there I think you would have said they're full value for it they, mm. they knew what they were laying out to do hit Liverpool on the break but also with enough quality so yeah, yeah uh, as I say well done to Fulham but three points for Liverpool three points for Liverpool indeed but the st- I guess the story is uh, Liverpool continue to put the pressure on they move up to second place in the table yep. and of course Arsenal with another victory slide um, going to- oh, staying top of the table yep know? I think now they what two three points clear of, of, of the rest that are following um, but yeah, it, it was it was a good game. I think it, it was it was a game that was won the first half. Um, Arsenal took it to to Wolves as much as they did try and come back in that second half. But um, yeah, Arsenal was just too much. Um, and and I think you know what, kudos to Arsenal and and and, and Mikel Arteta for you know what keep, keeping the pressure on. And hopefully, again, like I said last week, they keep it going. And uh, they proved my prediction right that they're going to win the league. Well, we'll, time will tell. Although I will say the one interesting thing, you know, if you look at the top two teams in the Premier League, such different approaches to how they play their football. Where Arsenal and Arteta all of a sudden have gone and trying to like essentially stifle their opponents and not allow them opportunities, minimize opportunities, a lot of control. Where Jurgen Klopp almost is inviting chaos and wants to unleash these, you know, these yeah. these forwards, the plethora of forwards and goal-scoring options onto onto the opponents. So really mm. different uh, approaches by the two teams, and really going to interesting to see how things shake up. Um, that leaves us, I guess. Um, we have to talk about uh, the goings on at Tyneside, where Manchester United visited um, Newcastle United, both coming off Champions League performances midweek results um Ruben yeah so uh, I mean look I I boycotted this game uh, on account of being deeply upset at uh, at the midweek Champions League result but this is the thing I I think Man United and I'm going to ask you guys if this is how it panned out have become incredibly predictable it was very predictable that after going two goals up twice against Galatasaray that we would make massive clangers at the back and Anana would spill a couple of goals and that we'd get equalized. In fact, the only surprise was that we didn't lose that Galatasaray game. Another incredibly predictable thing is that we simply cannot get results against top opposition away. I think in the last 10 games we've played against teams in the top nine of the league, we've had a single point and that was against Spurs. So uh, is, you know, is that what happened here? Is there, was this predictable? Not at all. I don't think anyone could have seen the way Newcastle dominated Manchester United. It, 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 it was this domination, this other domination, and a 1 0 scoreline doesn't do it any justice. But I, I think the best thing you can say about the game is that Manchester United only lost by one, one goal to nil if you're a Manchester United supporter. I don't know if you agree with that slide. Newcastle were unlucky, that's what I'm going to say. Um, it would have been a catastrophe. The, the number of chances Newcastle had, the number of shots Newcastle had in comparison to Man United, the, <laughs> the position, like if you look at the stats of the game, you'll, you, you'll be like, okay, what on earth was actually happening here? 
um, I, I, I am baffled at... So for me, I think primarily I want to sort of talk about the performance. Okay? So there's games that at the beginning of the season that we would win with a very mediocre or very, very poor performance, right? But this particular game was something else. It, it, it's, it's like there was... The players were on there. I don't know. I'm not even trying to make excuses, but like, I don't even know whether it was the fact that instead of flying to Newcastle, they actually ended up after going by road or what. But these guys didn't arrive. They were not there. Quite literally. Still New, waiting to catch their flight. New, Newcastle <laughs> had a field day. They had a field day. They, they were... United was lucky to have lost that game one more. Well, okay, so let, let's take a step back and, and try to think about where, where it fell apart, right? Yeah, because, and that's what I was going to challenge slide on. And, and like I've heard this thing about the guys not being there. But I, I think Newcastle dominated proceedings. And tactically, something needed to change in order to try and affect the game, right? If you're doing something... If, if you, you know, if you're using a spade for a particular job and you know the spade's not getting the, the desired results, I don't know, maybe you need a pick. Maybe you need a, a drill. I don't know. <laughs> you need a hoe. You you, yeah, you need something. You need, you need something different. And, and, and that's where the frustration was for me. And, and again, we've mentioned this in the past, some of the criticism that Ajax fans, the Ajax football followers in particular, said was Ten Hag's in-game management, often at times, He's not react. He doesn't react quick enough. So this is he, this is where I got really upset watching the game. I'm like, well, we need to try something different. Change the shape. Change a player or two. There is. I tell you what. There's no way a Jose Mourinho, for example, would have allowed those 11 players to stay on the field past 25, 30 minutes. One or two of them would have got hooked because of the way we were being dominated. Yeah. Try something different. Move someone around, and nothing happened. There was no response. And, and that was very, very worrying for me. I mean, for all the things you want to talk about, injuries, Newcastle had a bunch of injuries. Spurs had a bunch of injuries, as we alluded to earlier. Brighton also, and they're still putting up performances. People are Listen, trying. Yeah, injuries is not an excuse anymore. Like, honestly, it's, 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 it's gone to the point where you're the one responsible for picking the squad. Okay? But as much as you're responsible for picking the squad, you, you need to... So, as a manager, you've got your reliable soldiers. So, not your favourites, but your reliable soldiers, your reliable talisman. So, if you know you put on Ruben, and you know he's going to run for 95 minutes, I'm going to pick Ruben. Whether he's going to freaking left foot it, or right foot it, or he's going to drop a catch if it's in cricket, or whatever, that so be it. You know, but you pick your reliable soldiers, your talisman, because that's essentially what you need. You're playing away. Yeah, but, but, very but which, which reliable shoulder, soldier would we want to see on the pitch here? I no. mean, I, 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 just, and again, going back to that, I haven't seen the game. I'm just looking at the starting lineup. But a midfield of Mainu and McTominay, I'm afraid to say that doesn't inspire a heck of a lot. Okay, we've got. Okay, but, but Ruben, can we ask you a question? Like, which central midfielder do you want to see start ahead of them? Well, but that's what I'm asking. Who's playing? Who, who is going to be playing? And so, how are we back to. It's, 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 it's extremely difficult to hmm. say, like, okay, you know what? So Hannibal runs at people, he makes fouls, he tackles and whatever, whatever. Am I, am I now forced to pick him when 
I'm not going to have any progressive play. Not that McTominay is going to give me that. Yeah. But am I going to pick Hannibal over McTominay? I'm stuck. I'm stuck in a conundrum. Okay. So my new definite starter, like I'm, I'm sorry to say, but he's got a good head on his shoulders. He actually had a good game, in my own opinion. And, and, and I think I think you're being generous. I think it was very hard for even for him to have a good game. I, I, I honestly I felt like everyone was overrun. We were overrun in the middle of the park. Hundred percent. And no one no one had a good game apart from maybe our two centre backs. Yeah. Yeah, to keep limiting the damage to what it was, yeah. Jeez, Harry Maguire. That's off to him. The thing is, Harry Maguire, this is where he's at his best. So under low siege, block, yeah. under siege, mm. defending, crosses into the box. He's he's fantastic at that. Every, he did a good job. every freaking header into the box, he was there. Okay, but then, then okay, so let, let's talk about not our centre-backs, but our other defenders. Uh, I mean, I think fair to say Aaron Wan-Bissaka almost 100% at fault for the goal that did go in, the, the um, 100%. important goal. No, yeah. no, 100%. Not almost. Yeah. He just switches I off. I mean, someone let the cross in, uh, you know, so 99%. He, he switches off and for the second or third time of the season, allows the man at the back post to just... Stroll straight past him. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And you know, uh, yeah. So, so I mean, that that is uh, that is one mistake. And then we sort of wonder to ourselves, where are the game changers, right? Who, who's coming in? So we see, uh, okay. So we see Hoyland um, get subbed on, uh, and I think it was um, Anthony came on also around sixty minutes. I mean, do you feel did they have any kind of impact on the game? I, I, take, I want to take a step back. We don't have the ball, right? They're dominating us. They are running circles around us, Newcastle, at, at that point in the game in the first half. And to me, you've got a bunch of players there that are, are problematic. You've got Bruno Fernandes, who's terrible out of possession. And because he's a risk taker, loses the ball. He's very good at creating stuff, but he does lose the ball a lot. You've got Scott, who doesn't offer you much defensively. And again, not a great passer, not one to control the situation for you. You've got Rashford, who takes chances and will lose the ball a lot. Same with Garnacho, will lose the ball a lot. So you've got these four players who essentially aren't best suited for this combative sort of game. Maybe you can give McTominay a pass because he does work hard and he tries. So to me, the logical thing, I'm again, I'm just a layman, right? But the logical thing to do is to try and bring some steel into that midfield, bring in Abrabat perhaps, take one of those dribbly boys out, whether it's Bruno, like honestly, for me, it would have probably been Bruno Fernandes. That's who I probably would have taken off. I would have taken off Scott McTominay because he was doing nothing. Like honestly, and 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 quite frankly, we 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 were in a situation where and Ruben, this is actually how it went down. See, but it's like one uh, one pass, two pass, three pass back to Newcastle. One pass, two pass, three pass <laughs> back to Newcastle. One pass. It happened consecutively for ninety minutes. So, but then there's a guy like, I mean, we know Anthony, in theory, has a strength of retaining possession. I mean, exactly. I think, he hardly yeah. got the ball when he came. Exactly. But, but that's the point, right? So, so maybe after 30 minutes, things are not looking great. Maybe you work off Martial, put Rashford at top, up top, put yeah. Anthony out wide. Again, take out Bruno or whoever, and then put on, put on uh, Amrabat to try and give you that solidity at the base, push McTominay further up, let him do the you know, box crash and stuff. Try something. There was nothing, and we were lucky that we got away without conceding more goals. I, it just didn't make sense to me that he was just thought it was okay to just leave it the way it was and just hope. Yeah, for we, sixty minutes. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, for, for Ten Hag to come back and say, 
Yeah, I know. We were unfortunate not to get a draw. Yeah, we were I'm in like, it. We could have had a draw. Yeah. What yeah. on earth? Mm. You know, I, like it gets to halftime and I'm looking. I'm looking at the guys coming out. I'm like, wait, who's the change? There's no change. None. And those first ten minutes or fifteen minutes of the of the second half, exactly the same. Manchester United are not in the game, and you're thinking, well, what are we doing here, guys? Like, what? Like, I don't understand. There are options. Can we try something? Can we? And again, like, okay, his changes kind of made sense. The Anthony one does make sense. The Hoyland one, I guess, he wants someone to run around a little bit more. But you've got no control in the middle of the park. You don't have you've possession. Got you've got no possession. Mm. And you right. wait until 80 minutes. Again, is that yeah. thing that we say week in, week out, you know, transition, lacking. So how are you going to transition to that final third? You bring in on Hoyland and you can't get the ball to him. Yeah. You... you, you Onana was stuck hitting what four crosses in. Nothing, nothing, nothing to sort of pass out from the back and whatever. So there's no need for, you know, your, your sort of ball playing players anymore. You're just wanting those guys to come up there. Which is, in my, which is where McTominay would have worked, yes. You know, but it's, it's, it's one of those where you're thinking, okay, what, what, what's, the, what's the actual plan here? What's the actual plan here? And you, you don't really see, it's not, it's not sitting there it's not clear there's no clear sort of plan so I, I think like back to the point like about in-game uh, his tactical in-game management is I think that's a trend in his career that hasn't been great yeah. but he does in his, historically he's offered you a lot of other strengths uh, as a manager in terms of system getting this this team together and I, I what, sy- what system are we playing at Man United right now I think with great difficulty because of all the injuries I think we've struggled We've struggled and he's had to just he's trying to get by as best he can and because he I, I genuinely think that the critical the squad is just so poorly built that there are too many players well for example if you go to Tottenham Hotspur Tottenham were able to say okay well we don't have the center backs who can pass the ball because they're unavailable but we're gonna put two fullbacks in to the center defense because at least they are competent on the ball and are able to play into the end system with Manchester United, in, in the centre-back positions, the only competent centre-back, organic centre-back at playing out of the back is Martinez. One. Yeah. He needs two of those. Now suddenly, he's, he's had no Doesn't one. Doesn't even have the he's first ha- one, yeah. He's had no one. He's been playing Johnny Evans on the left side, Lindelof, you know, Harry Maguire, who's kind of bad as well, passing out, playing out of the back. So I think his core philosophy does not work with the players. One Bissaka, again, I say it every week, is, is just... He hand breaks the team. So you've got this whole back line that is crucial to how you want to play. And you've got midfielders. Now it looks like Mino is exactly the type, early signs, but the type of press-resistant, um, con- controlling playmaker that we need. That we yes, need and he can team. receive the ball back to goal, turn and feed it forward. He's like all, we've seen him evidence yeah, that he's, ability. He's, yeah. he's, he's actually got that raw sort of talent, composure yeah. that, that you want in a player that should play that six role or you know that, that kind of come in drop deep get the ball out let's let's let's, let's move in yeah so so i think i think he's so the one hand i get frustrated and i think oh well how's eddie eddie Howe and Ange and all these guys are making it work but then i just think the pieces are so dis, dis, disjointed and again i go back to what we always say the board is to blame and it's the old uh, Klopp example that I've used, I think, many times. But Klopp came in and he says, guys, I want this Julian Brunt to play on the right-hand side. And Michael Edwards says, no, 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 Jürgen. 
He's a good player, but there's this other kid, Mohamed Salah. He's the one you need. We're going to get Mohamed Salah. And Klopp says, okay, I guess so. They overruled him. Because yeah. the coach the coach is not an expert in recruitment. Yeah. He's a coach. Tactics, drilling, possession. You need an effective department. So I don't blame Ten Hag for thinking Anthony might be their solution. Or Amrabat is the solution. Or whatever. It's not his Mount. fault. Mm. It's not his fault. No, it's, surely, it's, surely, it's surely, surely we have to blame him for, for Anthony because they have a connection. No slide. No slide. When your child wants ice cream, and it's <laughs> 10 o'clock at night, and you know if you give this child ice cream, it's gonna go, your child's going to go crazy. Whose fault is it? The child's fault or is it your fault? No, that's definitely my it's, fault. It's your fault. Yeah, and this is the exact, exact same thing. Ten Hag is not a recruitment expert. He's not, that's not his job. Yeah. Okay, so can I ask a thing? So we've said, so now we've marked off recruitment and we've marked off in-game management, No, right? but so I, I'm gonna... I, I have a response for, <laughs> for Kiran. Before Ten Hag actually then joined, eventually, he had a press conference with the Dutch media saying that Yes, I'm joining Man United, but one of my conditions was that I control, I'll have full control of recruitment. And then he's now got 10 players that, he's, that have come in under him. Is that to say that he's not really fully in control? Okay, so I'll use another example. Your son says to you, Dad, I want to be your son. I'll continue being your son. I'll be a good son, but I want full control of all the groceries that get bought in the house. And you say, okay, son, that sounds reasonable. It doesn't matter that you're three years old. I'm going to let you buy whatever you want at the grocery store. Is it your son's fault or is it your fault? <laughs> Whose fault is it? Who? It's my fault for buying it. It's, it's your fault for, you know, meeting those terms, those conditions. And that's the point I'm making. If, if it is true that he's fully responsible for recruitment, why? Why would you do that? Why, like, it, it doesn't make doesn't make any sense no because like it, it doesn't so I'm, I'm saying this because it doesn't make sense that we go and spend like and, and I'm not worried about the amount of money we spent I'm worried about the caliber of the player we got okay because he's been unable to deliver on that right hand side as much as he's now the go-to guy when Rashford is not available or he's not doing whatever he's meant to do surely he had a hand in saying, okay, I'm fine with it. Yes, he did have a hand. He, d he clearly wanted the players. I'm not disputing that. I'm saying the problem is, is that he was allowed to choose those players. Somebody, an expert needed to say, listen, Eric, this is not it. This is not what you need. You actually need Mitterman, for example, or whoever. You needed player X. You did not need this. And this is the point. That's what a well-run club does. A functioning club a well-run institution has that buffer because it's a completely different expertise and skill set. Gone are the days of Alex Ferguson and, you know, football man and figuring things out. He was a genius. Those days are gone. There's data, there's big data, there's analytics, and we got to use it along with the eye. Because the eye isn't enough, unfortunately. And that's the point, I think, the greater point. So, I mean, as I, like, as I say, we, we, we've ticked off the, the transfer side of things. But, but to look then at a thing, in theory, you say that's a thing Ten Hag shouldn't control. Ten Hag is always going to control to pull back the in-game management. And I'm not just talking about when you're getting overrun and not being able to change it. I'm also talking about things like, and I'm going to now, now bring up a, one that's bugged me for a long time. 
When, uh, when Casemiro was in really good form and we had the Arsenal game coming up last season, but he was one yellow short, um, you know, he was about to get the fifth yellow that would have had him suspended for Arsenal. Ten Hag still played him and you think, look, it's Palace, we maybe didn't need him, but fine. Then we got one nil up and you thought, great, we're looking good. Maybe now's the time to whip off Casemiro and he doesn't. And inevitably Casemiro gets the yellow card. Everybody's heads drop because now we know he's not available for Arsenal and he was going to be a key player. And we still then conceded a late, late goal to Palace that game and then went on to lose the Arsenal game. That's all Ten Hag is doing. And that's, you know, and, and then, then you go and look. So that's, that's one type of failure is, is that substitution pulling on off. Then there's also the type of failure which we saw at Galatasaray, which is you're, at, you're two goals up now. You're 3-1. There's 20 minutes left in the game. And you have no capability of, of controlling the players in a way to say, guys, you don't have to keep attacking now. I know that we're having fun attacking, but now is the time we figure out how to shut down a, to be honest, fairly limited Galatasaray team. Yes, they have some big name players, but their front four is 130 years old cumulatively. You know, there should have been a way to shut that team down and strangle them out. That's, you know, so those are those things that, that I don't know how he's going to learn that lesson at this point of his life to be able to shut out games in a satisfying way. Let alone, okay, he actually does quite often start games well. We've said a number of times this season, 20 minutes really good, then we start losing it out and he doesn't react. Apparently Newcastle, we started badly from minute one. But how is he going to learn? Let's say we take transfers away from him. How does How do we... Does he learn in-game management? But this is the thing. This is what we're talking about. And this is the... He's, the criticism has always been there. Yeah. This is what you were getting with him. This is part and parcel of it. So you're, getting, you're getting a guy that's 20 minutes really good and then a good Premier League well, manager well, well, figures him out. Well, not, not necessarily 20 minutes in, but he's a bit slow to react. He's not He's not Jose, prime Jose Mourinho. He's stubborn. I, I'd like to call it stubborn. Yeah. It's like he's, he's a guy who's sitting his ways and his mantra is, okay, called... 57 minutes, I'm going to tell a guy to warm up and then he's going to go on at 60. Mm. That's his mantra and yeah. then he's going to stick to it. Whether the wheels are falling off or whatnot, if my if substitution's not forced, I'm not, I'm not making the change. Yeah. I will do it at 60. And, that, and that's what we get from, from HNL and, and unfortunately, it's not good enough. Look, there's different skills, right? Like at the end of the day, you, we've all seen what Ajax, the best Ajax looked like. His best Ajax teams one with the most dominant force in the league, which means you have the best players. Yeah. We're, so to, in order to be that dominant force, you need to have better players. Mm. We've established recruitment isn't there. That's not going to happen. You're not going to play like that. Two, in Europe, he showed tactical flexibility. And this is what you get from Tenor. Mm. You know, he played with a false nine in Europe where he played with a big man in the league. Yeah. So you've got a tactically flexible manager who's proven that he can punch above his weight with limited resources in a Champions League. So he knows how to set up a team. He knows how to drill them, how to get them working together. And we saw that in parts of last season when we went on that run. We, we saw the signs there, everything, the progress was there. So I think the hysteria needs to calm down from the general fan base and just accept that these injuries are crippling and it's thrown the season off completely. Slowly but surely, players are coming back in. I mean, I, I think it's gonna, by next month you might have uh, Casemiro and uh, and Martinez back, and I think that's huge. Yeah, I think that's huge. I think it's a huge. Well, they were, they were a huge part of what made us have that excellent run. It was Casemiro being in good form. It was Eriksson actually being in good form. He's kind of obviously now fallen also, off. 
Sorry, he's injured. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And 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 Martinez, who's who's and, injured. Yeah, and Mount, uh, yeah. He's and permanently injured. Well, I mean, Mount was like, part I've, of last I've, year's I've, run, I've, but I've yeah. personally written off Mount. It's personally, a bit, it's a bit early. But but the point is, like, you know, so you could get this new season when when, when January rolls around. Hopefully, these guys are up to speed. Amenu and uh, with uh, Casemiro in front of him could be good. Yeah, could be. Really you know, good. with the with a fully fit backline. So I think we just need to give him time. This this the calls for like, oh, while we're upset, and yes. I, we, we would like to see changes being made and things things happening. This the cycle can't repeat itself. Yeah. A new a manager in every one and a half seasons no, and then he gets no, shown no, the door. No, that is, that's not. It's, it's not. We we need some form of stability and it starts with trusting the manager and and backing him as much as you know. Right now the results aren't but looking. Backing him but not giving him ice cream whenever he asks for it. Exactly. Exactly. Give him with you. Give, give, him, give him veggies. Yes. Spinach. Spinach. Yeah. No, carrots. Just, just like, okay, cool. Yeah, we're not going to give you the you know, ice cream. No, not now. Maybe after three wins, have some ice cream. You know. Yeah, and, and you, you make a nice college fund for the kid. Yeah. I, I, and Joe's side, but that's that's the greater point. And that's the hope that if the rumors are to be true with the takeover, or the, 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 I guess, uh, Radcliffe buying into the club and takeover, that the sporting side will be under their control and these are people who have experience in high performing sports teams and so forth so you'd like to see i uh, think that the sporting a good sporting director by all accounts the rumors seem to be mitchell uh, paul mitchell uh, coming in so again hopefully these are the things that will long term set him up and set the club up even if it's not him for success yeah we live in hope all right on to chelsea on to Chelsea, yeah, uh, a wonderful time of the year, as you say, and because, <laughs> I don't know, it's December, we get to see football a couple times a week, so it's fantastic, some great fixtures coming up, uh, Manchester United and Chelsea probably the highlight of those fixtures, although Man City away at Villa should be tasty as well, yeah, uh, yeah. Villa's yeah. highlight against It could be very easily be more drop points for City, yeah. It could be, it could be. Yeah. Um, that's it for us uh, right now, but... I think, I think Arsenal's going to extend the lead, because they're playing Luton. Arsenal definitely oh, extending the lead. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I think it was a good show today. Um, lots of good football this past weekend. Nice to be here with the boys in, in person. Again, sorry for the noise. Uh, we are recording at a pub. But I uh, hope you enjoyed the content uh, nonetheless. Um, until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.